Welcome to the Mike Dillard Podcast, where entrepreneurs like you get the knowledge and skills that you need to bring your dreams to life. Well, today's interview is pretty special because I get to tell you about a movie that's launching this week that I was asked to play a small role in. That movie is called Money Revealed, and it was produced by my friends Jeff Hayes and his business partner, Patrick Gentempo, who is our guest today. So Patrick has a fascinating story as a once upon a time chiropractor who eventually became a filmmaker on a mission. And that mission is to produce films that wake up and educate the world when it comes to the truth, the truth about vaccines, the truth about GMOs, the truth about addiction, and now the truth about money. So Patrick and Jeff reached out to me last year and asked me to participate in this documentary because educating the middle class about the real way that money works has been a lifelong mission of mine as well. So together, I'm joined by Robert Kiyosaki, Paul Zane Pilsner, the founder of Whole Foods, John Mackey, the founder of Overstock.com, Patrick Byrne, and some additional absolutely amazing entrepreneurs and investors who are incredibly passionate about this topic as well. So today, Patrick's going to give you a behind-the-scenes journey of how and why they made this documentary. And we've also got a really neat surprise for you as well, which is the fact that you can get the entire docuseries for free right now at moneyrevealedmovie.com. Yep, you can watch the entire docuseries at moneyrevealedmovie.com. In total, they've broken up the movie into eight episodes, and you're going to find my role and contribution in episode number four. I have to say that the entire series is amazing. Not only is it going to give you a world-class education on how to make and invest your money like the rich, but you're also going to learn how to protect yourself from the future market downturns that frankly, are on the way and should show up here uh, in the next, I'd say, 12 to 24 months. But you're also going to learn how to profit from one of my favorite topics these days that I discuss along with Patrick Byrne, which is the future of money, cryptocurrencies. So without further ado, please help me welcome Patrick Gentempo and then head to moneyrevealedmovie.com to get completely free access to this entire docuseries. And let me know what you think. Let me know when you hit episode number four. And uh, this was uh, during the middle of my sleep challenges. So frankly, I was astonished that I could even make it and participate. But it was truly an honor. And I'm really excited about bringing this message to you and the rest of the world. So thanks so much for watching. And here we go. Dr. Patrick Gentepo, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to be here, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So we've got a really fun project that you've been spearing up with our good mutual friend, Mr. Jeff Hayes, a new documentary that's coming out. And you guys were kind enough to give me a, a little spot in that, which was a really neat experience to have. But before we dive into that, tell our audience a little bit about who you are, how you got into movie making. Uh, you've been doing this a while now, but you did not come from a filmmaking background initially. No, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm starting to chuckle when you say, tell us about who you are, because uh, I feel like in the past couple of decades, I probably burned down my identity multiple times and had to recreate it, which is an interesting process and maybe a separate podcast in and of itself. But so I started life uh, in my career as a chiropractor, went through chiropractic school, got into practice. The short version is while I was in practice, I started developing diagnostic technologies, which I received patents on, and I co-developed these with a partner. And then uh, once I had gotten these patents and had this technology in, in existence, uh, next thing you know, I found myself in a business and I scaled that business uh, over 23 years as its CEO. Uh, I sold that business about nine years ago. 
formed a holding company. So when I look at these like these different identities, Act One of my career was my chiropractic practice. Act Two was the diagnostic technology business, which uh, again I ran that for 23 years and had some spinoff businesses that came from that. Then Act Three, when I sold that business, was I with my wife created a holding company called Action Potential Holdings, where we'd invest in different projects. Sometimes they're our own startups. Sometimes they're investing in other people's projects, and we would bring things into reality that were kind of aligned with our values and, and things that we we had some excitement about. And uh, how I got into this next part of my career that I'm spending the majority of my time in now is that along the way in my previous career, uh, you had mentioned Jeff Hayes earlier. So uh, Jeff is a phenomenal documentary filmmaker, and I had appeared in some of his documentaries where I was an interviewee, and uh, he was he was tackling some pretty heavy health uh, topics that uh, that I was brought in to speak to. And uh, health activism had become a part of my life, you know, with, with the career trajectory that I had prior. And what happened was there was something going on in California, which became a very, very big sore spot for me, where I felt like um, I'm very libertarian in my philosophy and my political philosophy. And I felt like California was really trampling on people's rights, especially parental rights when it came to this vaccine issue. And yeah, we don't have to get into you know, the pro or anti-vax stuff. Uh, that's, again, a, a long and deep topic. But the bottom line is that I, I was absolutely certain of a few things. Number one, that that uh, you know, there is a risk in vaccines. We could debate the amount. Number two, that um, you know I believe since there is a risk uh, that parents should have a choice as to whether or not they want to vaccinate their kids. And all those rights were being taken away and it was becoming very draconian in nature. So I called Jeff up one day and said, hey, I want to do a, a docu-series on this. Can I get some of the footage back, you know, that you had shot of me on this particular topic so I can use it? He said, I'll do one better. I've got a lot of other footage. Why don't we get together and partner on this project and put it out in the world? So a long story short is, you know, I, I invested in the project. I, I was hoping maybe just to get my money back. I, I just really wanted to take a stand on this issue. And it turned out to be a, a hugely successful thing that we did, and it was fun, and it, and it was something I enjoyed, and something that was making impact in the world. So we said, well, you know, there's another topic we want to talk about: GMOs. Let's do that one. So we ended up doing a series of these. Next thing you know, I find myself in in the documentary and docu series filmmaking business with with Jeff, and my role in this, which uh, is a whole lot of fun, is I get to travel around the world, talk to really smart people about subjects that I'm very interested in. So that that's how we ended up here. And it, just as a little side, you know, what sort of makes this uh, interesting when you do take a stand on something and you start to you know uh, put energy into it and you see where it goes. Now your stand is your brand. Um, I'm under contract with Hay House. That's becoming a book. That whole theme. So it's, it's been quite a journey, quite an unexpected thing. And if you had told me two years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing today, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a big transition. Yeah. So tell us about the new one. That's coming out now. So this is a, a subject that affects everybody, and especially you know, people who are entrepreneurs. Uh, I, I think this is an area that you know we have to wrap our heads around. The title of this documentary is "Money Revealed," and we feel that there's a rampant financial illiteracy in the world, and we're hoping to to solve that to a large extent because we're either taught nothing about money or what we're taught about money is wrong. And I have to admit, probably uh, some degree of, of, of arrogance that I'm now uh, humbled <laughs> in hindsight. 
in the sense of saying, hey, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've, I've started 16 companies or so over my career. Um, obviously, not all of them work, and so, but some of them work very well. I've been around the block on all the varying things that, you know, we want to talk about as far as investment and taxes and, you know, real estate in the market and, you know, all these varying things, you know, right now, cryptocurrency, you know, blockchain, the implications of all that. And I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a schooled guy. I'm out on the streets. I've been running a lot of businesses. I've had to manage finances over my entire lifetime. I've worked with financial consultants and managers, all that kind of stuff. So I'm thinking to myself, hey, we want to talk about all this and bring it out and talk to experts. It'd be fun. But it's for these people who really have never been exposed to the kind of stuff I was exposed to. And that was my arrogance. I have to tell you that in, in all the docuseries that we've made, this is the first time that almost after every single interview when it was done, including yours, Mike, I had to I had to literally say to myself, I've got to go back and watch this one again. Meaning there's so much there and so much that gave context and, and new understanding to me that I, I realized I've got to consume this whole thing myself again, probably multiple times. So it was it was a startling journey. We spoke to a lot of people that, you know, you would have heard, you, you've heard of like John Mackey, you know, the co-founder and CEO of Whole Foods, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. You know, we spoke, that was a, a riveting conversation and actually a very entertaining conversation. David Gardner, you know, the co-founder of uh, Motley Fool, you know, who's out there and, and a host of, I mean, we, we, we've probably got 30, 40, 50 interviews, um, you know, that we did. And a lot of them are people you've heard of, but some of them are people that you haven't heard of. But the things they had to say were completely profound and, and in my, my estimation, life-changing. Yeah, I, my, my guess would be that there's a, a common set of values between most of the people that you interviewed, and yet everybody has their own unique lens that they're looking through the world of money with. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's why it's... You know, it's not a black and white issue. <laughs> it's not black and white at yeah. all. And and the, you know, the idea of, you know, we wanted to explore different things. You know, some people would say, hey, real estate's a great investment. You should do real estate. Other people say, ah, real estate, you know, is, is a sucker's bet. You want to go to the market. You know, and, you know, what about the market? Okay, what about blockchain and cryptocurrency? Uh, and, and I have to tell you that we spent a, a day uh, at Overstock.com and I interviewed not only Patrick Byrne, the CEO of Overstock, and that guy is you know, otherworldly in his intelligence, but also several of the people that are at Medici Ventures, which is his fund. I mean, Patrick Byrne, as he says right on camera, is going all in on blockchain. And I had done several blockchain interviews, crypto in interviews, understood kind of the difference between, you know, blockchain and crypto, et cetera. And, and you know, it was getting good context for this, but I didn't truly see the way that blockchain is going to change the world. His statement was, and, and I believe him now after having sat with him, that blockchain will change the world more than the internet will. Mm. And, and, and as he laid it out, there's zero doubt in my mind that that's true, that $100 trillion of, of dead assets are going to be brought to life through blockchain in the coming years. And it's, it's stimulating, exciting, and, and really almost mind-boggling to look at what the implications of this will all be and how soon it's coming. So that that was a big part of it. And as you said, you know, they all had similar philosophy. People would disagree with each other about you know, what the tactical sides are and, and what the better investments might be. But here's the thing that was the commonality amongst it all and was somewhat unexpected, is that with each interview, what came to life was not just the, let's call it the mercenary side of, of, of money accumulation, 
you know, how do you make money? How do you protect it? How do you grow it? Which, of course, are, are big, important topics. But invariably, when we got to the heart of it, this became a spiritual conversation almost every single time. Seeing these people get wet in the eyes, talking about the implications of humanity, the human spirit, what wealth creation really means, and, and how some of the things that are opposed or adverse to wealth creation you know, are, are literally robbing people of their souls. And, and that is the part that gave me goosebumps throughout this whole series. Mm. Man, there's a, few, there's a few questions I have for you around this, but why, why did y'all pick this topic? Why did you pick the topic of Money Revealed right now, right? Where we could have, and this was brought up many times after the crash of 2008. That's when I you know, started my journey into money and investing and all of that good stuff. But why this topic right now? There's, there's multiple reasons. And I could start with kind of the uh, pragmatic way that we approach things. We sort of have this, uh, this scoring chart of, of seven or eight different categories for you know, access you know, to the market, the, you know, the hunger in the market, varying, varying things on subjects to say that, you know, is this a good topic from a business standpoint for us to cover? I have to say that we almost ignored that when it came to money because uh, we've been in, in varying arenas around our docu-series. We find this, this thing about money to be a fundamental thing that affects everybody, that whether you're a, an entrepreneur, a, a business leader, or a, um, a stay-at-home mom, Everybody cares about this. And, and quite frankly, as I'm a parent and trying to parent my own kids and teach them about this stuff, and I, I hope that I have to some degree, I realized I don't even have the tools to be able to give them the full view of this. So it, it became sort of this, this spiritual journey for Jeff and I saying, you know, we talk about this as a big part of things. We know a lot of people have a lot to say about this. Um, we just, we just, it was an intuitive thing saying that this is an area that we want to approach. And uh, I don't know exactly why I'm feeling this in my gut or Jeff is feeling it in his gut, but we both did. And, and with, with the synergy of that, we just decided to go embark on it. And it's one of those things that once we got in, it took on a life of its own and it went places that we, we couldn't have even tried to guess when we started the project. Mm, what was one of the most surprising? Well, uh, you know, the example is like, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought in, in the beginning that we'd be uh, talking to John Mackey, for example. And what happens? Uh, so he happened to be at Whole Foods in Park City, Utah, where I live. Jeff was coming up to visit me. We, we for, you know, the short of it is we kind of ran into him. But I, I was a member of Conscious Capitalism. So I had met John a couple of times before and had conversations. And both of us are, are Randians. And, uh, you know, so we had great philosophical conversations. You know, Jeff had also you know been involved in events that John was at, et cetera. So we started talking, and somehow it just came up. You know, th he, this would be a great conversation for money. So when we when we you know uh, when he agreed to be in the series, we went to Denver and and, and uh, interviewed him. And he was so excited about the interview when he was done. He said, "Hey, have you guys interviewed anybody from Motley Fool?" He said, uh, "No. Uh, well, I'm on the board there. Let me make some calls, and you guys should go interview one of those guys." So and it just sort of like one thing led to another, led to another. And the next thing you know, um, you know, this thing took on a life of its own. So rather than us trying to steer it, you know, with some kind of guardrails, we just let it unfold like this, like this beautifully aesthetic thing that needed to come into existence. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, John's uh, 
I live across the street from the Whole Foods headquarters here in downtown Austin. So I've been going there at least three or four times a week for like 10 years. Wow. It's my, it's my place, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been, this is a little bit off topic, but just an interesting rant. I've been almost inspired to start a blog that is, Jeff, please stop ruining Whole Foods. <laughs> From, you know, speaking of Jeff Bezos of Amazon, because right, since right. they were bought out a year or two ago, I've witnessed the changes that have taken place inside the store on a, almost a daily basis. And it's driving me absolutely crazy. It's like somebody bought my favorite place to shop and buy stuff at and is now systematically destroying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And well, I think I think the feedback would be useful to them, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 it's just different because you look at what John built. He built it with love and heart and passion, and for those reasons. And then you look at you know Jeff and the team at Amazon who are looking at it, frankly, in my opinion, like a computer. Yep. Of, here's what's profit. Here's what profit and efficiency. Sure. And I can just see that in the quality of the food that's being served now the constant blue for sale thing. I feel like I'm shopping at Walmart now and they're just destroying the culture of the brand and of the store and of the quality and the mission and everything behind it for the sake of money and efficiency. And it's just driving me nuts. (laughs) And, and, and rightfully so. And, and really what the bottom line is, and I think this is something that comes out in my interview very much with, with John Mackey as well as several others and, and it gets back to the, the fundamental roots of applied philosophy is that purpose and values comes from the third branch of philosophy ethics. So what happens is that John Mackey is someone who is completely values driven. He's got a view of reality in his metaphysics. He's got a, an epistemological stance, his proof, you know, the way that he comes to his conclusions. He's got a very clear method of thinking and, and you know, rules of evidence. And he translates that into these values that emerge that made Whole Foods whole, whole Foods, that made it what it is, because the values lead to the purpose, and then that's all expressed. And and that is why you loved Whole Foods. That's why I love Whole Foods. That's why I admire John Mackey so much. But when different values are going to get installed or changed, or if the purpose of the existence of Whole Foods is going to get changed. Then what happens is that you know the, the culture is disrupted and the people who had aligned values suddenly become disenchanted and that's exactly what you're speaking to, and and there's multiple examples of that you know uh, and and this is why I think in, in fundamentally for entrepreneurs or people who run businesses, how understanding alignment between values and action and and what manifests in that business is uh, are more than just words they are essential. In order for something, that's what, again, your stand is your brand. Your stand is your values. Your brand is going to be reflective of that or needs to be. If there's contradiction between the two, there's destruction. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to, when it comes to this movie, you know, obviously one of the goals is, is just to, to bring people up to speed and educate them on money and how it's used, how it's invested. Would you say that that's the overall theme of the movie, or is it to help wake people up to the potential of another crash here that a lot of people are expecting in the next year to two? What do you? What is the overall message that you want folks to take away from it? It's all the above in one respect. When we started out, basically, it was simply this, how to make money, how to protect it, and how to grow it. Those are the things we want people to be able to walk away with saying, you know, here's different ways that you can you can earn 
You certainly have to take some uh, action to protect these earnings. And then there's ways that you need to continue to grow it. And of course, a lot of people speaking to the impact taxes have, which was so startling to me because I understood I've always been somebody who railed against taxes and how you know you you, you punish you know uh, the people who produce and you reward the people who don't and all that kind of stuff. But this, when people started laying out facts and figures on the true impact taxes have over a period of time on wealth accumulation, my jaw was on the ground. It, it was it was much worse than I than I had originally even con- contemplated. So though I think that that's a part of it. I think the other thing that I want people to take away is the so yes, strategically, you know, here's certain things you can do, things you consider, ideas that you have. I can tell you that I you know, I went to a whiteboard after you were halfway through this thing with Jeff and said, ah, now I have we have a whole different view of how we can take earnings, what we can do with them, where we can place them, and then how we can grow this over time. So for our own financial strategies, massive, massive impact. But beyond that, I think there's also this sort of philosophical and, and psychological aspects of money where I believe that a lot of people have a inherent contradiction that's crippling to them where they see that there's a disparity between material wealth and spiritual wealth. And that basically, if you move, you know, they're on a continuum. If you move towards material wealth, you must necessarily move away from your spiritual wealth and vice versa. And you have to make tough choices, which kind of split you apart. And I believe that so much of, the, of this is the takeaway of understanding the moral virtue of capitalism, the moral virtue of wealth accumulation, and that that gives the rocket fuel necessary to take all these strategies and tactics and put them on the ground so that you can, you can become more abundant in your life. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's such an interesting story. It's always said that money is just a magnifier for who you really are. Yeah. And I think that that's I think that that's definitely true. And what's really interesting is you have to identify the driver that pushed you to go make money. So as entrepreneurs, everybody who's listening to this, there's something internally that's pushing all of us to go achieve, to go accomplish goals, and to ideally make money and achieve financial freedom. And it's really been interesting to go back and learn a process that allows you to identify the beliefs and the stories that may have been instilled in you when you were five, six, seven years old that have implanted that belief system in you and that drive. And what's really interesting is that a lot of entrepreneurs get to a point where they end up making a lot of money and then they lose it or they blow it or they risk it or something else. And we had a, a guest on, Gary John Bishop, who talked about this, where he would make a bunch of money and go through this self-destructive cycle, lose it, go make it again. And so he finally went back and he identified why he was doing that. And it went back to this story in his childhood. And I think that that's a part of money that is rarely ever talked about. Making money, in my experience, is actually easier than keeping money. And primarily, that's because entrepreneurs are risk takers. And so if you take yeah. the same, same personality type and traits that allowed you to build a business and take that risk and then apply it to money and investing doesn't work out very well. <laughs> so. no, well, it, you're, you're 100% right. And I think that's one of the significant contributions of the, of the docuseries is that premises, you know, I define premises as things that are belief elements that are driving your choices and actions, whether you know it or not. And from our mothers, fathers, teachers and preachers, you know, we're taught don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't be something that you're not. You know, rich people are thieves. 
And that could have been said, you know, when you're in the back of a car, or, you know, your parents talking to each other uh, on a drive when you were six years old. And, and you, like you just said, you know, and people forget about it. And you're holding these premises that are driving your choices and actions and they're not you don't even know it. So what I think this series does and it did for me in many respects is it forces if you're engaged in it, it's going to cause you to examine your premises around money and where you find that there are unhealthy ones, that's where you can fix it. You know, I've, I've been through the, you know, the feast and famine and, and, you know, rich and broke dimensions of, of an entrepreneur, you know, through my life, I think, you know, to a degree, any entrepreneur has, and it can be very, very painful and, and it could be a serious blind spot. So I think, you know, what you're saying is a hundred percent true. And that by going through this process, watching these people, you get premises. One, which I thought incidentally would, that you just brought to mind, in the docuseries, I interviewed Roger Hamilton, and he said something that was a premise that I, that I just said, wow, that is really powerful, and it, it meant a lot to me. He said, wealth is what you have left after all your money is gone. Mm, yeah. And, yeah, and it's, that's just an example, because a lot of times, it's, you know, when, when, if you lose all your money, and I've done that, it's sort of like, wow, you know, your identity's wrapped up in that, and now who am I? And you, you start... And you don't re you have to start you know taking inventory and saying what have I created in my life you know what what's around me other than money what what you know what is the wealth of my life and and I, I wish I had heard that like maybe a dozen or you know two dozen more premises that I learned in this series if I had heard that premise twenty years ago it would have saved me a lot of headache and heartache on my journey and I'm hoping you know as far as the purpose of this that that's exactly what we can do is that that people can watch this. And it's going to uh, it's going to uh, avert a lot of headache and heartache around money and other aspects of their life because they they absorb this information. You know, a few minutes ago, you talked about what you and Jeff learned specifically when it came to your investing strategies and and how you're applying those lessons moving forward, especially when it comes to taxes. Can you share some of the specific takeaways that you guys are now implementing? Yeah, so there's there's three areas that and and these are let me just say this up front. These based on our circumstances, assets, et cetera, that we have make sense where it might not make sense for other people. That's why you have to look at the whole thing and say, you know, the question that I, I would tell people as they're watching this that's that would make it very, very valuable if you consistently ask the question as you're absorbing the information, what does this mean to me? Because different things are going to ha have different meaning for different people. So it's not a one size fits all. But and that's why the, the scope of it is so wide. But what we had discovered. So first of all, on taxes. Um, and I, I've always been as how can I put it uh, ambitious to legally reduce my tax debt as much as possible. Matter of fact, I've been exploring you know the whole Puerto Rican thing for now three or four years. I've been there a couple of times looking at that. But one of the guys that we are actually two of the guys we interviewed said the same thing. I might have the numbers a little bit off, but but the the conclusion is the same. They basically said that if you took X amount of money over a period of and and just every month put it in you know savings with a certain return, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but th those are unimportant. It's the relative scale that's important. And you did this over a period of twenty years, you would have a million dollars in cash just with that you know that amount of money with that return, which was you know modest return of interest over a period of time. There's a million dollars cash that you have. They said, now, if you take that same amount of money, put it away over that same period of time and tax it at 
uh, I think they said 25%, so relatively low tax burden, you know, compared to what I pay. And they said, they asked me the question, what do you think the amount of money you'll have after that same period of time, which I believe was 20 years, what would it be? You have a million dollars with no taxes. What's the impact of a 25% tax along the way? The punchline answer to the question, $72,000. So you might say, oh, 25% tax. Well, I guess it's going to lower it by 25%, maybe a little bit more because of compounding, what have you. No. The impact of 25% tax on a certain amount of investment over 20 years or a certain amount of savings with a return on investment over 20 years is the difference between a million dollars and 72,000. Wow. So it's like, you know, it literally, I took my breath away saying, you know, because I, I always, I, I always lament and say, hey, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a working guy like me, not a, not a person who knows like Kiyosaki talks about how he doesn't pay any tax. I mean, his his punchline, you, you'll even see it in the trailer, which is kind of funny because he looks, he said, you know, conventional wisdom is have no debt and and save as much as you can. He said, I have six hundred million dollars in debt and I have no savings and I pay zero taxes. Then he starts laughing out loud. <laughs> and, <he's, laughs> you know, and it's like you have to just watch. You know, it, it's 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 funny. And it, it, but it's it, it's absolutely profound. He said, we're all hypnotized. And that's the point. We're all hypnotized with these things that we have that are, again, premises. Work hard, save your money, have no debt. He said, now, stupid consumer debt, he agrees. But he said, there is, there is good debt. He said, that causes, in the type of investment I do, the government gives me incentives that are tax incentives, not to pay taxes. He, you know, he's worth quite a lot of money. He's got a huge amount of debt, but he, he has found a way to accumulate more and more money and pay no tax on it, which is why he can keep getting richer at an accelerated pace more than you or I, because I go to work every day. I pay regular income tax. And if you're no matter how much money you're making, and I, I've made a lot of money in my career, if you're paying you know, your tax burden, if you're trying to live a decent lifestyle along the way and you're trying to put you know, any cash away, it, in the end, you can't accumulate any real wealth. I'm talking about significant sums of cash doing it that way. The, ta- the tax burden is just such that it makes it literally impossible. So we go to work and work every day. We work hard. We work long days. We work weekends, all that kind of stuff. And, and you might say, oh, we have a nice lifestyle, but can you really accumulate wealth like what Robert Kiyosaki's talking about? No. There's got to be a different way. So so the tax thing is an important thing. We have multiple conversations around taxes and different ideas and how you can save in taxes. Other things that we looked at, like I would say, ah, you know, I've I thought I was a real estate genius. I, I bought when I sold my practice, I bought my first commercial building and I sold it three years, three or four years later. I lived there. I, I operated there rent free. I outgrew it. I sold it for three times what I bought it for. And I'm like, I'm a real estate genius. So I'm, you know, I, this real estate thing is great. And I proceeded over the next 10 years to lose on every real estate transaction I had. So I, I realized I was lucky I wasn't smart. And, uh, you know, so and I think we all, if you live long enough, you get those lessons. But then I listened to a few people, uh, Ron Phillips being one of them, where he talks about real estate investment in a way that I never understood before that made 100% sense, that didn't require whether the real estate market is up or down was immaterial to him. But his methodology for sourcing, finding single family homes, renting them, creating income, having a, you know, when I said, well, I don't want to be a landlord. You have a property manager that you pay a small percentage to every month that collects your money, that collects the rent for you, that fix, you know, does all the repairs, et cetera. 
And I was like, oh, man, Jeff, we're going to take a certain amount of our our income from this business and let's invest in with Ron the way that he does it in single family homes. We we talked about direct marketing or network marketing has a very bad name. We, yeah, reputation to some people left over from the 80s and 90s. But today it's quite an industry and a multi multi billion dollar industry. And I looked at how people were setting up and creating cash flow and what they were doing with that cash flow when they when they made it. So for people who have the ability to to thrive in a network marketing model, there's there's a whole game there that they could be playing that I was blind to that I think is is very, very interesting. So I, I started to look, you know, those are a few examples, but I started to look at these different ways that people are investing because my focus is always saying, hey, I'm going to always make more money in my own business than somebody else's business. But now understanding how you can use debt to create tax savings, to invest in properties and let that grow on a leveraged basis, et cetera. You, I started to say, oh, there's a whole different thing here. I didn't, if I had known this 20 years ago, boy, would my financial position be a whole lot different today. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. So for those, for those of you who are listening are like, okay, what is he, what is he talking about with Robert Kiyosaki? You know, basically Robert's borrowing a hundred million dollars, you know, from a bank for three to 5%. And then he's, buying cash flow real estate that's producing a 10 to 20% return on it and he's keeping the difference. <laughs> and yeah. So that's all he's doing when he talks about he's got $600 million in debt. Well, that's all in cash flow real estate. And his risk is the price that he's buying that real estate for, which is what people ran into in 2008 when the, the real estate market tanked and they bought in a high and were over leveraged when it came to the mortgages they took out. And then all of a sudden they're Property was worth less than their mortgage was, and and that hurt. That hurt a lot. So, if you know what to buy in at, what price to buy in at, then you're pretty good. And that's uh, that's one of the best games you can pursue. But there's another dimension of that, all true. And incidentally, with that debt, he's able to offset his taxes. Yep. You know, so he's got this income, but he's able to offset the taxes with the debt. And there's all it's a it's it's not uncomplicated. You know, you, you really have to have somebody who understands you know this these these tax laws. Because he also goes into oil because the you know, investment in oil has similar tax benefits. But here's the thing. When you're buying income producing properties that you're going to rent, and especially single family homes, and this is what Ron Phillips taught me, which is the caveat, is that he doesn't care if the market goes. If the market goes up and I pull equity out, it's a gift. But even if the market value goes down, I'm locked in on a fixed mortgage at a fixed expense. Now. And, and rents don't go down. As a matter of fact, many times rents are going to go up when real estate drops. So I'm still collecting. I have positive cash flow every month, independent of the of the uh, how the real estate market is at a given point in time. And that was that was a heavy point that that Ron made. If you're looking to buy and flip, or if you don't have enough income producing from the, the properties to uh, to service the debt, then you're in trouble. But but what the smart guys figure out is yes, you still want to buy as low as you can in the market and and try to time that right. But if you've got the right investment in in the sense that it's giving you income every month and that income can pay that mortgage. If the market goes down, it doesn't matter. It's the same mortgage payment every month. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is um, I've been thinking about the way that the world is changing, the speed that it is changing in. You know, my son's going to be nine this year and I'm like, what is he going to be doing? What are the opportunities for him going to look like in 20 or 30 years? And what's really interesting is... My job, let's say as a salesman or a marketer, someone with that skill set who uses it and teaches it, is potentially going to be out of a job in 10 years. Yeah. And most people would think that that would be the last role that would get replaced. But with what I 
am paying attention to, what I'm observing and what I'm seeing when it comes to AI and what AI can do from a sales perspective already today. Most people aren't paying attention to this space, but I do. Mm-hmm. AI can have here, let's say within the next three to five years, we'll be having conversations with you and you're not aware that it's a computer. You could be having that conversation in the form of someone over a telephone that's a computer uh, directly through your machine, uh, your, your, your laptop, desktop, whatever it may be. And it's going to be AI and you're not going to be able to tell. It's not going to sound like Siri. It's going to sound like a real person with real emotion, with real inflection points. And there's already some companies out there that have their software being used by large Fortune 500 retailers, AI marketing software that knows so much about you from your social graph on Facebook and Google and everywhere else that they know exactly what to say and when to say it to get you to buy their clients' products. And this is all being run by AI. And in fact, the AI actually chooses the images and the ad copy. And it's doing that, again, all based on the information and the knowledge they have around you psychologically as an individual. And so I'm not going to be able to compete with that. I can write an ad, but it's got to apply to everybody in a pretty blanket manner. Where AI, these ads are going to be tailored specific to an individual. And then I'm out out of a job. (laughs) So um, it'll be fantastic for people who, you know, have e-commerce goods, physical goods, that's going to do really well. It's going to get easier and easier for you to sell those products. But thinking into the future, I'm like, all right, well, what, what's the best place to invest? What's the best place to put money? What's the last place that's going to get disrupted? And what will people always need? And real estate is really at the top of my list. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there, we are, we're always going to need a place to, to uh, live, right? So that, that, you know, logically, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting, you know, with the question that you posed, uh, you might know my, my good friend, Richard Rossi, who uh, mm-hmm. is a great entrepreneur. I love Richard spending as much time together as we can. And, uh, you know, he's in the entrepreneurial side of, of education. And uh, I remember calling him when I wanted to pull my kids out of school and homeschool them, you know, wanting to know if he thought it was a good idea because he's somebody who lives that world. And he first congratulated me for even considering it. But the second thing he said is, well, there's really two futures I see, or two two paths I see. He said, number one, either you're teaching your kids to be entrepreneurs and they're going to work for themselves. So what's you know why 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 is it important to be in a traditional academic setting? Or number two, they're going to go work for somebody else, and whatever that job is doesn't exist today. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it it reminds me of what you were just saying is that you know things are changing, technology is changing such that you know there's going to be serious dislocation in the marketplace. One of the people we interview, incidentally, is Paul Zane Pilzer. And, and Paul is a, uh, an amazing uh, economist that was an economic advisor to uh, Reagan in the first Bush administration. And, you know, is just has an amazing view on the world uh, and has for several years now. Um, and he talks about this. He talks about the, the sharing economy and, and how that's changing everything and how, you know, uh, how we can increase, you know, I guess the experience of wealth without GDP going up. And he starts... So we get the macro view from him in a very, uh, a very profound and stimulating way. And, you know, it's, it's almost hard when you start thinking out 20, 30 years, because you're, you're saying the impact AI is going to have is, is, I think, unimaginable. Uh, like just even with what you were just saying, isn't it like startling to consider that? But then we have to say we're going to coexist with it, which means a human understanding, human behavior and the way that our own consciousness is going to interact with that is going to be something different than it is today. 
I think we co-evolve with it. And I don't know what that is going to look like, but I just know that it's not it's not a single-sided equation. There's two sides of that equation. One side is AI and how AI can perform. The other side is our own consciousness and intelligence and how it's going to uh, transform relative to the stimulation of AI. And I, I, I can't predict where it will go. I just know that the equation's got more than one variable in it. So it's, it, it's a fascinating thing to think about. But in the end, I think you're right. Real estate is, ne- is needed no matter what else is going on in the world. And that's why I think it's a good, a good investment also. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Patrick, this has, been, um, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so much for putting this movie together. And uh, you guys, if you want to watch this, one of the neat parts about this is it's free. You're going to be putting out the entire documentary for free here. You can go check it out at moneyrevealedmovie.com. And uh, Patrick, when's the release date? So the release date for Money Revealed is going to be the first episode. So there's, there's nine episodes. First episode is going to air on April 23rd. So it's a Tuesday, April 23rd. And that, that first episode is, is uh, packed with, you know, we, we, I, I'd say we get off the launch pad with a lot of fuel. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, a really good first episode that you won't want to miss. Awesome. Well, guys, I'll be sending out everybody on my email list a link to the movie when it comes out, just so you make sure you can go check it out and watch it and find it. But again, it's moneyrevealedmovie.com. And uh, Patrick, thanks for having me in it. It was uh, a lot of fun being able to participate and uh, such an honor. So, uh, man, what a cool experience. Yeah, I I have to tell you, your communications, our conversation, uh, I thought was very meaningful for me. And and what you communicated was was pure brilliance. I, I, you know, if I were to describe it, I say there was, you know, it was all steak, no fat, really, really good material. So thank you for taking the time to be with us in it. Oh, thank you. It's very kind. Well, guys, thank you so much as always for listening. Make sure you go check it out at moneyrevealedmovie.com. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care. One, two, three, four. Hey, let's go now.